So two weeks ago, we began looking into chapter 3 and the, the wife and the husband. And we're going to look particularly at verse 7 today. We stopped with verse 6, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with amazement. As we look at these things and we look at the relationship in the home, do you know the relationship in the home is crucial? It's crucial. There are many reasons why Paul said that he would, that we were like him. What he meant by that is that he was not married. (laughs) Because he had seen, no doubt, what bad marriages and difficult homes had done and have done to the walks of the two Christians in those homes. And we can see it. And we've experienced it. If you've been married for any length of time, you know, we're talking to Jim and and his new bride. (laughs) And uh, thinking back on our newlywed days, I said, Heather, when did we, didn't we have our first fight on the honeymoon? I'm pretty sure that's true. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure it wasn't her fault. But any marriage has experienced difficulties and those difficulties have hindered or hurt our walk at least for a season. That season may have been for a few hours or a day or two or three. Oh, to God that it wouldn't last long, right? You know, our difficulties in our home should not last long. It should last less than 24 hours if we're able to get right with the Lord. But no doubt Paul had seen what difficult marriages had done. Difficult marriages lead to a lack of prayer. It leads to a lack of of faith in God. It leads to doubting God. And we need to be careful not to take difficulty in our marriage and say we have a difficult marriage. You know, every marriage is going to go through difficulty. Oh, we need to be very careful. Very patient. Are you with me on that? We live in a, in a day where it's very easy to get divorced. It saddens me to no end. I've seen in my short time pastoring, marriages fall apart no matter how much I plead. Just wait, just wait. <laughs> I promise you, if you are willing to wait and get through this period of immaturity on your part, wife, on your part, husband, undoubtedly on both. Because the truth is, is when we get married at 22, 23, 24, 25, though we are adults, we're immature. (laughs) If you look back to the life of Jesus, there's an interesting passage where Jesus is once again speaking to the Pharisees and, and the religious leaders, and, and he says, Before Abraham was, I am. And before that, they say, You are, to, or after that, they, they, say, they say, You're to tell me you're not even 50 years old. And you're going to tell me that you knew Abraham? It's interesting that they use the word 50. 
people who studied these things out better than I have say that the, the age 50 in the Jewish religion is a very important age because that's the age of full maturity. Now, we know they Jewish people, they have their bar mitzvah at how old? 13-year-olds, are they very mature? Now, they might be given more adult responsibility at 13, um, but they are not mature, and there's a reason why. They haven't gone through a whole lot. If you're in here and you're, you're married, you probably, and you, you went to church, and, and you probably went through a period of, of uh, counseling before you got married. It's a uh, fairly new thing within the church to counsel people in marriage. But I did. I went through five weeks with me and my wife. Wonderful principles in the Word of God. But you don't know, you don't know anything until you've gone through it. In fact, you really haven't learned anything until you've gone through it. Right? You may know it here, but you don't know it until you've gone through it. And so you cannot mature in marriage until you begin to go through things. You know, I grew up, and I had two brothers. The only, the only girl in my life was my mom. And I praise the Lord for my mom. But I didn't know how to treat a lady, and still working on it. How to treat a wife, still working on it. God's still working in me. But I praise the Lord that during the times in my marriage that were difficult. Then my wife didn't say, you know what, this isn't working out. (laughs) You get mad at me and you yell at me and I yell at you and you're verbally abusive. It's a new watchword. Good reason for divorce. Verbal abuse. What does that mean? It means you're yelling at each other. (laughs) Not Not too many marriages I know There haven't been times where there was some yelling going on. Not that it's right. Not that it's good. Not that that's what we should be doing. But I tell you what. If you're married, the scripture says, if you have a wife, you have a good thing. But there are going to be times where you say, I'm not sure that's true. But it is true. God said so. Be patient. God knows how crucial the home is. He knows that if we are going to remember and if we are going to find ourselves returning unto the bishop and shepherd of our souls, what's going on in our home and how we are learning to treat one another in our home is, is very important. Remember, as we go through these passages, the crucial Passage, the crucial, ver- crucial verse that really brings all these things together is chapter 2, verse 25. For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Wives, why be subjection unto your husbands? So that you might know and love the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Why should you even be in subjection to the unsaved husband? So that he might be turned by the one, by the conversation, the lifestyle of the wife. 
The very need of the home is a man and a woman who love God. That doesn't always happen. And it, even a man who loves God on one day may find himself not loving the God the way he should the next. But we have a Savior and His name is Jesus Christ. And He loves us and continues to care for us through thick and thin. He will never divorce His bride. One of the great truths and doctrines of the Scripture is that if you belong to Christ, you belong to Him forever. If you are betrothed to Christ, He will never say, you know what, I think I made a mistake. (laughs) You with me on that? Never! If you are His, you are His forever. May God help us to, to love the Lord Jesus Christ enough to say, Lord, You are wise and You know all things. And Your way is the very best way. And so we make our way down to verse 7. Verse 7, likewise, in the same manner, For the same reasons, likewise, you husbands, dwell with them, your wife, according to knowledge. Likewise, you husbands, the male part of the two that have come together and become one, dwell with the wife, according to knowledge. That word knowledge has to do with that which is mysterious but then becomes known. Paul often talks about mysteries. Always remember when Paul talks about mysteries, he's not saying, hey, there's something that you can't know. He's saying, it was a mystery, but now you know. (laughs) It's remarkable uh, how we can know. Because the scripture has been given to us, the great mysteries. In fact, there's nothing that we need more than the scriptures in this world in order to know anything that we need to know. Right? But the word knowledge there has to do with a mystery that was a mystery. There was something that wasn't known and now it is known. (laughs) And if you've ever gotten married... You know what it's like to know a mystery, right? To say, here's a person. Maybe you spent six months before you got married or a year, five years, ten years. I tell you what, you put a wedding band on and you start living together. There's going to be some mysterious things. Some good, some bad. Some smell right and some don't smell all that right, right? And learning how to dwell together is is mysterious. How are we going to do this? You like this, I like this, you don't like this, I don't like this. You like to watch sports on TV and I like to watch Christmas movies. How are we going to figure this one out? God is very wise. And husbands, may we learn these things. You know, the, the, uh, the thought of husbands is, is that husbands, you know, they, they watch their football. I'm glad you're here tonight. I know the Patriots are on at 430. I'm glad you're here tonight. 
But the the idea is that husbands they watch their sports shows and and uh, the wives have to fight to watch what they want to watch. Look what the scripture says. You husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. You know what that means? Sometimes it's okay for me to watch Christmas shows. Even in July. I don't know why July has anything to do with Christmas. But for some reason, July has everything to do with Christmas. Strange to me. And so I'll watch the Christmas shows with my wife. Because you know what? She's precious. That's what that word honor means. That word honor means that which is precious. It's the same word that's used in chapter 2, verse 7. Unto you therefore which believe, he, that's Jesus Christ, is precious. That means, in that verse we're talking about how honorable, how incredibly precious and valuable Jesus is. God says, husbands, your wives, they're valuable. Of all the people in all the world, apart from Jesus Christ himself, she's honorable. Right? Likewise, your husband, dwell with them according to knowledge. So let's go back to that. I kind of skipped over that. Husbands, when you begin your life with Christ, if you're going to be discipled, you're going to be taught quickly to begin to study the Word of God. Right? Isn't that true? And uh, I, if, if you're able to lead someone to Christ and you're able to, to have an influence in their life, teach them very quickly to love and read and study the Word of God. We've spent lessons in here talking about how to define words. You know, everything that I do to prepare a message is the same things that I did before I ever prepared my first message in studying the Scripture. Defining what the words mean in the Scripture verse. Comparing them to other verses. Making sure that I'm reading the verse within the context of the entire chapter and an entire book as well as the context of the entire Scripture. These are all things that, that I was very quickly taught after I got saved. Very quickly taught to spend time in God's Word every day. I still have many of the booklets that, that folks gave me, that, that uh, the, the guys that really took an interest in my life gave me um, in teaching me how to study the Word of God. Still have them. Sometimes I'll go through uh, the notebooks that I've, I've gotten over the years where I write down the verse and underline the key, key words and then define the words. And then I would often um, just begin to write out in sentences what the verse means. Why? So that I might gain knowledge of what? Of our great God, right? This is free for everyone who knows Christ you can know our great God. You know what the scripture is saying here? 
The scripture says to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Husbands, you know what you need to do? You need to study your wife. You need to know your wife. Know who she is. What is it that she enjoys? What is it that God is impressing upon her heart to be part of and to do? Where does she need to be encouraged? We need to know our wives. We cannot just be, a, be men who live in the same house with a woman. God has something much greater than that. He wants us to know our wives. And the interesting thing, because the idea here, the word knowledge here, would most, I, I believe most definitely would have led people to say gnosis. Alright, that's the same word that's used all the time in the Gospels and all the time in the epistles we've been got, we've gotten as, as the church. And it, it always has to do with learning the Word of God and loving the Word of God and understanding the Word of God. Now you're using it for my wife. Maybe I should stop and connect those in a particular way. Maybe because I believe that's what God intends. He wants us to know our wives and to spend time in in learning and understanding. And let me ask you this. For those of you that have been saved a long time and you've been studying your scripture a long time, how much longer do you have until you know all the word of God? How much longer do you have? Just a day or two? Because I'm going to get it all by tomorrow. Don't worry. Right? No. We'll spend a lifetime studying the Scripture. How many times have you read a book and said, I've got this book down. I have read it through 26 times. I have studied it. I have defined all the words. And then you go on and a few years later you come back and maybe the preacher preaches and says, I never saw that. (laughs) Or maybe you read something a little later and say, "I, I didn't get that the last time. The Word of God is infinitely rich. Your wives are infinitely rich. Our wives are infinitely rich. And we can spend a lifetime knowing them, and so we should. Amen? Wives, you've got to be patient with us. Right? Be patient with us. Have we failed? Has any man or woman failed in knowing God the way we should? Sure. Be patient. With us, don't don't uh, don't ever think that your husband is the worst of the worst, or in fact, any less than any other husband. One of the things that I try very hard to do um, is to make sure that no woman ever thinks that I'm better than her husband, because if she thinks that, it's for one reason. She doesn't have to live with me. Right? She doesn't have to live with me. She gets to see me behind a pulpit or behind a desk. I don't don't want any woman to think, and it would be such a lie, that I'm better than her husband. 
If there's anybody who is the chief of sinners in this room, I know who it is. It is me. Right? You guys with me? It's me. And so shouldn't the pastor, he should be uh, uh, better than everybody else? Well, you find that in the scripture that the pastor doesn't sin or the pastor's perfect. Now, I know what the goal is, but I tell you the truth. I praise the Lord that my wife loves me. And she has no other eyes for any other guy. He said, I don't think so. Be patient with us. But gentlemen, please take the time to know your wife. If you know her, you'll love her. And be patient with your wives. So, likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Giving honor unto the wife. Giving honor unto the wife. Make them feel important. Communicate to them love. Be willing to give to them what they want, even if it means you don't get what you want. (laughs) It makes no sense for us as men to get angry at our wives for the things we get angry at them for. Get angry at our wives because they didn't make what we wanted for dinner. What if she didn't? What if she made what she wanted for dinner? If you want what you want for dinner, why don't you make dinner? Right? You know, there are many things to get angry at, but our wives very rarely do, do those things that we really should get angry at. You know what we should get angry at? I've I've said this many times and I believe it to be absolutely true. We should only get angry at those things that God would be angry at. We should only get angry at those things that God Himself is angry at. Does God get angry? He sure does. What does He get angry at? Sin. But even there, God is filled with mercy and grace, isn't He? There's things that I know that God gets angry at. You can read, look at the news and read the newspaper, and I say, man, I'm sure God is angry at that. I'm sure the idea that we don't, we, the, the main reason we want to try to smear Judge Kavanaugh and bring something up that probably did not even happen in high school 40 years ago, and the main reason we've got to do this is so that we can make sure that we can kill more babies. I'm sure God is angry at that. I'm sure. But I am not at all sure that God is angry because there's dishes in the sink. Right? I get angry at my children when they don't clean up, especially when I ask them to and they ignore me. I think God may get angry at that. I tell you what, I found myself, I'm as guilty as anybody. Wife can be nursing a baby who's months old or weeks old 
and get mad because the bed the bedroom has stuff all over the floor. Well, you stupid guy, pick up the stuff off the floor for your wife, right? Who's had a baby stuck to her every hour and a half. We're on our fifth. I think I'm doing better than we did on our first. I think. We've got to learn. We've got to learn, gentlemen. We've got to learn. Because I was, I was talking to a young couple today, Jim and his wife, and uh, how so important it is that we, we're willing to get through the difficult times in life because as we grow older, marriage does get sweeter, but it's not true for everybody. And the one, the one area where I've found it is not true is where the man is a churlish man. Remember that guy Nabal in the Old Testament? David and his men of his band of 300 men had been protecting Nabal's farm and had been making sure that no animals got in to kill the sheep and and David ran out of food and so he had his guys go ask Nabal uh, about <coughs> um, giving David a couple of sheep to dress and eat and and uh, Nabal was just a wicked guy and said, who is this David? He knew exactly who David was. Now David got mad. Remember? David said, I am going to go in and kill every person who can urinate on a wall. Or as he's going to kill all the men. He used, he said, he used another word. I don't think he was, there's several times the scripture uses P-I-S-S-E-T-H. I don't want to say it though. But basically saying, I'm going to go kill every guy in there. Of course, who comes and keeps that from happening? Abigail. But you know she did not have a good day in marriage, her whole marriage. Abigail did not have one good day. Because her husband was churlish. Now praise the Lord, God took that man, killed him. Guy had a heart attack and died. But I tell you what, gentlemen, if you are like Nabal, your wife may not get one good day in marriage. That's not a good thing. Now, I don't think there's any guys like that in here. But I tell you what, the men who I've gotten to know and I say, man, that's a tough guy. That's a tough guy. I mean, he is filled with selfishness and pride and he yells and screams and, and tr- you can just tell he treats his wife. She probably didn't have one good day. One good day. Now I think about my own daughters. I praise the Lord. I've got four daughters. Got to sleep with Bailey this afternoon. Took a little nap and Bailey on my chest. She wouldn't stop crying. Finally I, I took her and laid her on my chest and she fell asleep and said, you know what? For men, ladies, I just want you to know babies are tough. Because they don't like us. They can't get food from us. And uh, so, a lot of times, you, you know, the, when it's your turn to hold the baby, you just get a big old cry. Cry, 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 cry. But I tell you, when, when that baby stops crying, it's wonderful. And you can just have her close to your heart. My daughter, Liliana, 
came into the office, first thing she came in to do was give dad a big hug. I get lots of hugs with, with daughters. Lots of hugs. My son, he, he won't hug me the way he used to, but I get lots of hugs from my daughter. My daughters. One day my daughters are going to get married. And the fact is, is that they're going to marry a man who doesn't know anything that he's doing and doesn't know how to be married or any of that stuff. <laughs> he's going to think he does, but he's not going to know. He's going to have to learn. But I don't want my daughter to grow up with a man who doesn't learn. Right? Who his whole life is nothing but a churlish, nasty man. It's sad because the Scripture doesn't say... Wives, you can divorce your husband if he's a nasty man. He doesn't say that. And may God help us. Pray for those wives. But I don't want to be that man, right? I don't want my, my wife to be 65 years old. And, and the statistics are is that most marriages, the, when it comes to divorce, it happens before the first five years of marriage. But I've known... Women say, I can't deal with this guy anymore. I'm 70 years old. I'm divorcing him. 70 years old and you're getting a divorce with the man you've been married to for 45 years? Yeah, I can't deal with him anymore. Can't deal with him anymore. He is a mean, nasty man. I can't deal with him. What am I going to do? I don't want to be that guy, right? I want my wife, when I'm... If I get to live to be 70 years old, I want her to love me more and more. I better know her. Amen. The scripture says, as unto the weaker vessel. It's so sad that this verse is taken by people today and it says, you see, you see, the God of the Bible, he's a chauvinist. <laughs> so sad because I know this my daughters want to get hugged by their daddy and to be loved and to be cared for and I want them to be cared for when they get married and I know this my wife when she was a daughter in her, in her mom and dad's home if she had a bad day, she could cry. And her mom and dad cared. Her mom and dad cared. Right? Then she gets married to a man and leaves home. And she, should ought, to, she ought to have a man who cares. Now, I can't always figure out why my wife cries. But I ought to care. Right? And my wife cries a whole lot more than I do. I hope I'm not embarrassing you. Eh. But she deserves a man who cares, right? You gotta learn that. And the truth is, in so many ways, whether it be physically, Emotionally, etc. God has made women different. The psychologists have made pretzels 
out of the observations of life to say there's no difference between men and women. Have you ever been around somebody who's not the same gender as you? We are different. And our society today is trying to make men and women the same. And it's not going to work. It is leading to misery. Women are different than men. Men are different than women. And that is okay. It doesn't mean that a woman is less than a man. But it does mean that because the woman is weaker, she deserves and ought to have honor from her husband. That her husband ought to say, you know what, I care. I'm not going to treat her like one of the guys. I'm not going to treat her like my buddies back in college. You got to help us. Why? And as being heirs together of the grace of life. May God help us. Lord, help me to communicate these things well. Jesus said, I came into this world that you may have life and have it more abundantly. In John 17, 3, Jesus said, Here in his life, that you might know God. You might know God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Jesus Christ came to give life. And when I married my wife, we were in the getting life from Christ. It, it became a together thing, didn't it? It became, if we are going to have life in Christ... It is going to be because we are together. And when I fail my wife, her life in Christ suffers. When I fail to know my wife, her life in Christ suffers where it shouldn't suffer. God says, know your wife. Because you are heirs together. Heirs together of the grace of life. Of Jesus Christ coming in and making your life supernaturally better because you know Him. But a churlish man, a man who doesn't know his wife, does not lead to, it hinders Jesus being able to make that person's life supernaturally better. Better than it would. When we go through the difficulties of life, financial difficulties... Should financial difficulties lead us to not having life in Christ? Should poverty lead us to say, you know what? This whole life in Christ thing, it doesn't work. It happens a lot. You know why? It happens in marriage all the time. Finances, big difficulty. You know why? Because of the people in the marriage. Right? They don't understand. We're heirs of the grace of life. The life that Jesus Christ gave. And if Jesus Christ has brought us to the place where we do not have as much money as we want, He can get us through. But if we don't go through this together, we may not make it through at all. The older we get, the more difficulties we're going to have in our health. Health difficulties... Can, can be a difficulty on marriage, can it? 
But does, does suffering that we have in our bodies, should that steal away our life in Christ? Have you ever known someone who knew Christ and loved Christ, who was going through cancer, but you might not even have known they were going through cancer? Many of you who have been members of this church for a long time, you remember Roy. You know, Roy had cancer at the end of his life. You wouldn't have known it. That man had life in Christ. I don't want my health difficulties to steal away my wife's life in Christ. Right? I better have a good and solid and God-glorifying relationship with Jesus because what does chapter 2 verse 25 say? You are now returned unto the bishop and shepherd of your souls. To be married is a good thing, not a bad thing. And then he says this very interesting thing. Gentlemen, that your prayers be not hindered. That your prayers be not hindered. How many of you guys, after you yelled at your wife for some stupid thing, said, Oh, it's my prayer time now. I guess I'll go and have a good time of prayer with God now. <laughs> number one, you're probably going to find it hard to, to pray. And number two, your prayers may not make it to God. He does not have ears that he cannot hear. But he does not have to hear us when we pray. David is very clear when he says that God God is a God who knows all things and hears all things, but He doesn't have to hear here. Oh God, work on my wife. <laughs> May God help us. No, first we go and we say, my dear wife, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. And then go try to pray. You'll find it much easier. <laughs> In fact, you'll find it easier to pray with her. Go try to pray with her after you called her a dog. They ain't gonna be, you're not going to pray together, right? After you, you made her feel like the scum of the earth. There's not going to be any praying going on very likely in that house that evening. They've got to help us to learn. To learn. Husbands. Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. I praise God for marriage. I cannot think of life without my wife. I have memories. It's, it's funny how things happen. You know, I didn't know my wife in college, but when I think back to college, it's like she was there. <laughs> because she's my wife. She wasn't there, but the memories seem to have her there for whatever reason. <laughs> and I praise God for all the memories that we've made through the years. I hate the fact that we got into fights on our honeymoons. I hate the fact that when I was young, I thought, the, I thought the best thing for me to do when I was getting into a fight was to tell my wife to look me in the eyes. That was the dumbest thing I think I did in our marriage, baby. Look me in the eyes. 
What was that going to do? And I don't learn. Learn to dwell in my life and knowledge, and I'm still learning. And I've got as long as we're together to learn. And it's been it's been more enjoyable than learning science or history or math, certainly math. I've enjoyed getting to know my wife. If you're newly married here, learn learn quickly. If you're not married yet, learn these things now. So that they're not a surprise to you later. (laughs) If you are married, continue to learn and teach the younger ones as they grow and get closer to being married. What it means to be married. And how to learn. But God knows how crucial the home is. And where the home falls apart, God is not glorified. God does not want homes to be torn down. He wants them to be built up. Be patient and let God build the home. Amen? You guys with me? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your precious word. I thank you that you have pierced me through with your word. Lord, I thank you that by your word you have taught me those things that have been helpful in my marriage. And I pray that I would not rest upon my laurels. I know I cannot. Lord, I pray that tomorrow morning when I wake up that I would spend precious time with you. And my wife would have precious time with you. That we might be heirs of the grace of life together. Lord, I pray that you would get more glory out of our lives because we are together. Because two are better than one. But Lord, I pray that it wouldn't just be two, but that we would be intertwined with you as three. For you said they're a threefold cord is not easily torn apart. Father, I pray if there's difficulty in marriages today, give wives much mercy and grace. If any woman's dealing with a churlish man, help her as you did Abigail. Lord, I plead with you. Help us. Help men. We have so marred marriage. I am so sad that the generation behind me thinks very little of marriage. Many have committed to never being married. And I'm sad for this. And I pray 
that we as your people would, by your grace, show that there is great life in Christ with two. And so please do these things. Bless us now. Give us a good and restful evening and a good week ahead. May we glorify you. May we, may we do the works that you have for us to do. Help us to occupy till you come. Please, do these things. And we pray in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen.